Welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show for Season 10, Episode 11, titled Evil Twins. My name is Joe Batanz, and I am joined, as always, by my two very own evil twins from the podcast. Oh, you guys have not heard this in a long time. Pod is my co-pilot. Please say hello, hello, hello to Taylor, the latte boy. Hello, Taylor, the latte boy. I thought I was done for the season. Sure. Mm-hmm. Damn it. Every time I think I'm out, he pulls me back in. Yeah. You're, no. you, Hello, I'm, your, I'm your outer saboteur. You? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm, I, th- this is a bittersweet episode because this was the week that I was supposed to be visiting you. Mm-hmm. But uh, give it, give it, given the topic of tonight's episode, as I was watching it, I thought to myself, there's no way I'm not coming back for this one. Well, so I'm, yeah, glad, I- I'm glad to be a part of this week's episode. Well, also, you're, you had your own inner saboteur called Cancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not that I just decided the last minute. Mm, no, I'm not going to go. Um, as we talked about on one of the uh, other feed shows, I was diagnosed about a month ago. I was back in the hospital and diagnosed with a form of liver cancer. Um, a, a update to that is that I am doing much better. Um, I am currently, as of right now, I am still dealing with an abscess from the uh, infection site, or from the surgical site, Mm -hmm. but uh, as of right now, they are not seeing any current cancer in me other than the stuff that they had cut out a month and a half ago. So we're going to see. I have to keep up every quarter. I have to go have a CAT scan and talk to my really, really cute Middle Eastern oncologist. So, Oh, really? A cute Middle Eastern oncologist? He's very... And that's not usually... A style of guy that I'm all about, but mm-hmm. he came and visited me in the hospital in my while I was in my all together with my hospital gown all pulled up and everything. And I quickly, you know, said, "Will you hold on just a minute?" And threw back the curtain and put on some, you know, foundation and some lipstick, and then pulled the curtain back and said, "How can I help you, doctor?" I think you wanted to take a ride on his on call. That that war joke did not work at all. <laughs> that the, it, I was trying to make it work and it didn't work. I'm sorry, Taylor. That's okay. That joke, okay. was, that was joke, was more tragic than the cancer that you survived. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And from Malibu, California, please say hello to LA's newest son. Apparently, Evan Ayers. Hello, Evan. Jeez, Joe, a week with me, and your jokes are already starting to suck. I, feel I know. Like my impact has been made. Yeah, I thought your jokes would get better. <laughs> I feel, I feel getting, I'm getting stronger as we speak. I'm suddenly feeling good about my sentence forming skills. Hi. Hello. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. I'm looking at the ocean. I'm hearing your faint voice upstairs in this house, and I'm very happy to have Taylor back. Nice to see you. Thank you. Thanks for keeping my seat warm for me. (laughs) Get the fuck out. Now get get out. What the hell is he doing here? I thought he was on a plane. Jump in a car. (laughs) Whoa, Taylor just did the laugh, too. Wow, that was very well-timed. Yes, the the detox laugh. Yeah, the (laughs) detox laugh. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the detox lab. Guys, you have to understand something. So, uh, to Evan and I have been spending, for those of you listening on the main feed, we've been in the last, this is, um, I guess, technically eighth day together. Mm-hmm. And uh, what everyone should know is we've had quite the number of adventures. One of them was we went to, um, I don't know if we discussed this on the, on the main show or not, Evan, but Taylor, you're going to hear this embarrassing story. Which so, one? Well, we went to go see a friend of the show, Jake Dupree. You guys might know him as the dancer from All-Stars 3. He was Shangela's partner, and he was eye-fucking the camera the whole time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I become friends with him, and he was performing for his first time, Taylor, in drag. Okay. In West Hollywood. Now, you know what? Thank God. You know what? I'm so happy that Taylor's on the show. Because, Taylor, I want to tell you what I was going through. Because Evan's 26. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I get this invite from this Jake Dupree. Well, not even an invite. I invited myself. Uh, yeah, Evans, then, uh, yeah, we weren't even, were you invited. I just saw on his Instagram story. And I had, like that, 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 no, that, that was the first time we knew about no, it. No, actually, technically, we were invited. When I was talking okay. to Jake Dupree a couple of weeks ago, he had suggested that we, you and I go to this. Okay. Um, and uh, once he I, heard Evan was 26. No. I, oh, you're going to have a young guy with you? Oh, why don't you come to this thing that I'm doing? <laughs> I know, seriously. So, uh, so I had known about it and I had forgotten. So you reminded me because you and I were figuring, trying to figure out what to do. Now, Taylor, FYI, this is important for everyone to know this story. Mm-hmm. I had already told my friend Melissa McQueen, who is a very funny comedian, and she hosts a karaoke night down the street from this gay club that Jake Dupree was going to be at. She mm-hmm. hosts a karaoke night at Barney's Beanery in West Hollywood. Okay, And I told her, hey, listen, Evan and I are going to come by, and we're going to see you tonight. And she was like, great. Yeah. I was really excited to meet Layla, Layla McQueen's drag mother, so <laughs> it was a big night. So anyway, yeah, yeah. Well, he is taking all of your good material, Joe. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah. It is a succubus type thing where he's pulling out of you. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so so Jake Dupree says the show starts at ten. Taylor the Latte Boy, let me ask you this question: What time do you think the show is supposed to start? Supposed not what time it started. What time do you think? If you in your head, I'm like, oh, then the show starts at. If it says the show starts at. 10 mm-hmm. then i would expect 10 yeah, yeah like yeah, maybe yeah. 10 10 yeah. 10 10 yeah, 15 yeah. yeah yeah so i tell mcqueen i say listen i'm gonna go to this drag show for a bit and then i'm gonna go over to uh barney's beanery right and see you by the way this isn't even the story i was supposed to tell taylor the, 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 right. wait 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 let me guess let me guess what time okay, okay. so okay. it's supposed to start at 10 we'll start at 10 I'm- I'm gonna say he, st- she stepped out. Jake stepped out on stage. No, 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 no. I'm talking about Jake's just one of the performers at their amateur night. Tell oh, me what okay, time okay. The hostess, so, the hostess okay. steps on stage. The hostess steps on stage. If it's supposed to be at ten, the hostess steps on stage. I don't, I don't want to go over like on the prices right, but I'm going to say, I want to say eleven fifteen, but I'm going to hedge my bet and say ten fifty. You're very close. About ten forty, okay, right. Okay, so that by ten thirty, I was like, "This bitch, you know, I'm telling you right now, this fucking horrible person, right? I don't like her." Jake Dupree is a horrible person. No, Jake Dupree is a wonderful, nice person. <laughs> but also, right before the show starts, Evan peeks at the lineup. It's an amateur night. Because I knew you were getting grumpy, and I was like, oh, oh boy, we got to figure I out what's getting Well, grumpy. Grandpa usually has his pudding at his nap time by then. So yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. already like. Asleep in the couch watching uh, Quantico, you know. Anyway, Evan looked over and said, "Where did you get that nightcap? And why are you wearing it yeah. in a bar? And why did, do you have a did candle? You bring that mo- did you bring that mumu with you to the bar? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to reveal. Yeah, why are you in the have haunted mansion? Have you seen how Joe dresses? Cemetery? He's always got a mumu with him. <laughs> uh, everything I wear is a mumu. So anyway, so here's the thing: Evan peeks at the lineup. There are twelve performers. Let me ask you this question, Taylor. What number was Jake? Nine. Twelve. Ah, uh, no, no. Yes. So I'm, and this, and the, the drag queen picked up the microphone at 1040 and she's, she's just yapping away. 
she thinks she's the funniest thing on earth, and I'm just like, fuck she this. She was fine. Fuck this shit. I'm out of here. I'm out. Right? I gotta go meet my friend. Okay, but mm-hmm. that, that's what we leave, right? I didn't even tell that. That wasn't even the point of the story. That was just the background. So we go to this Barney's Beanery, right? Mm-hmm. So I see McQueen. And McQueen goes, you'll never guess who's here. Jake Dupree. No. <laughs> Tracy McDonald. She's this comedian, Canadian comedian, that I've known for years. I knew I knew her like when I first started doing comedy. We used to hang out all the time, Taylor. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, like for years, I, I no, I haven't done stand up comedy. In, in fairness, I haven't done stand up comedy in eight years. Okay, but for mm-hmm. the years that I did it, I hung out all the time with this Tracy McDonald. Saw her all the time. Okay, okay. She goes, Tracy McDonald's here. Go say hi. So I go, you know what, Evan, come with me. I want to, I want to introduce you to my friend Tracy McDonald. Right now, one time I always remember this. I was sitting with a friend. This is after I stopped doing stand up, by the way. Sometime mm-hmm. after doing stand up, I was sitting with a friend. On uh, Santa Monica Boulevard, having a cheeseburger, I think. And somebody snuck up behind me and go, Joe Batanz, I'm your biggest fan. And it was Tracy McDonald. And she sat down with me and my friend and we hung out for a bit. Okay. So I go to this Tracy McDonald and I go, and I have it with me. And I go, are you TV's, are you comedy's Tracy McDonald? And she looks at me and she goes, yes. And I go, I am your biggest fan. And, and, you know, Evan, you were standing there. I want you to describe the scene for yeah. Taylor. So I follow Joe. Joe's like, oh, come here. My friend. Okay, fine. So I'm trailing behind him. I stand behind him. I hear him say, you know, I'm your biggest fan. And then you like, kind of get down eye level with her. And she looks at you. And all I hear is, did someone pay you to say this to me? <laughs> and I went, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. And so go on, Joe. And I'll tell you where I was from yeah. here. So then I go, I go along. Oh, well, yeah, I go. No, no, no one paid you. Like I'm, and I'm trying to like do that thing where I'm showing my face even more in the light. She can see it. It's me, right? And I realize she's having no facial recognition, Taylor. Right? So I go, okay, I gotta get out of this. I'm just gonna say it's me, Joe Batanz, right? Aww. So I say it's me, Joe Batanz, and then she still looks at me with a blank expression. Oh right? no! And she's like, I panic. I do that thing where I, <laughs> I I pick up my phone and it's like no one's talking to me. And I just I put it to me. I go, Mom, and I walk away. <laughs> I don't speak Evan's to my mom. immediately looking for an, all the exits. Yeah, the I literally like I, the first thing is, oh, Mom, is that you? <gasps> One minute, and I like dart away as fast as I can. I like, that window's oh. open, and I think the dumpster underneath it was open. If there's which, garbage, I can leap through it and land there, and then le- run back to Malibu. Which lever do I pull to be crushed by a safe? <laughs> Where do you get an anvil around here at this time of night? I know, which is so funny because, you know, I know Evan felt really badly for me, but there's this is the sick part of my life is as it was super, super cringy. I mean, this is super cringy. But here's the deal. One, I was so amused and so, like, obviously, it's awkward. No one wants to be not remembered, you know? Right. But there was a bigger part of me that was like, this is actually more uncomfortable for her than it is for me. Right. <laughs> Because that, that's a reframe. Yeah. That's a good way. To, that's a good because that that's a good reframe. Okay. But two, this is the sick part of me. I was like, this is going to be so good on my other podcast, Catching Up. <laughs> well, well, it also gives that that RuPaul song. I want you to remember me. Snapshot. That's <laughs> just thought about that. Now, remember the thing I was saying about you were having good jokes a couple minutes ago. I know, I yeah, know. it's gone. Sorry. It's gone. gone. It was fleeting. Fleeting. Yeah. This is 
Taylor, this is what I've been having to put up with for eight days. <laughs> I was going to ask now, uh, what day? So it's been pretty much eight days at this point. Mm-hmm. At what day did you to become the old married couple? Oh, I can already tell you. Sunday night <laughs> after oh. Buzz TV's Jay Ellis. Was here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I don't want to get into it, but Jay Ellis opened up a can of worms, and. That, that's all to say, right? And yeah, there, okay. Jay Ellis is totally, when he listens to this, he's going to be so unaware how upset Evan was, right? So Jay Ellis and his boyfriend leave, right? And. Mind you, it was nothing, Jay, it was no fault of Jay Ellis. No fault of Jay Ellis, even though Jay Ellis brought it up and Jay Ellis knew what he was doing. Well, he can get it wrong in my eyes. So. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> Jay, Jay Ellis leaves, right? And we close our bye, bye. And. <laughs> I go, I go, I go to Evan. I go, how was that? And he goes, I'm going to bed. Good night. <laughs> and I go, is everything else? You seem mad. <laughs> and he goes, I'm not mad. I'm just going to bed. Good night. And I go, did I say something to offend you? Nope. Just go to bed. <laughs> and I was like, what do you want right now? What do you want me to do right now? I want you to go to bed. All right. Good night. I'm going to bed. Shh, shh, shh. So he went to bed, and I was like, "Oh, I guess I'm going to bed." And then the next morning, I found out he was upset, and and we, we talked it about it. And ever since then, we've been fine. And it, we had been we'd been consuming libations. We were I was I was a little hammered, but like it was fine. Ever since then, we were good. All right, it's been a lovely. It's been a really Joe. I said this before, but Joe is an incredible host, and this has been an absolutely wonderful, wonderful week. And I'm actually very, 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 very um, crestfallen that I have to leave today. All right, don't rub it in. But we're sad that you're not here. I, I've, how many times? How many times have I said that, Joe? This, this is week, the first time he said. <laughs> this week, the girls make pancakes for Cheyenne Jackson because everybody loves pancakes. In the maxi challenge, the girls have to make an outfit for themselves and their evil twins. In the end, Eureka was named the winner of the challenge, while Cameron Michaels and Ms. Cracker were placed. In the bottom two, after a lip sync battle for their lives, Cameron Michaels was told, Shantae, you stay, while Ms. Cracker was asked to sashay away. Taylor Vellante, boy, it's the first time you've been back, so you're going to have a first share here the whole episode. Name two things you liked about the episode and one thing you did not. All right. I liked the mini challenge. Oh, I liked cool. the idea of the mini challenge because it involved creativity with... But without it being getting into day drag, without, you know, that kind of stuff. So so it was something slightly different. And also, I find Cheyenne Jackson kind of cute, yet kind of tired at the same times. But so he's in in 4K HD. He's very pretty to look at. Um, Something else that I liked. Okay, Uh, I don't want I don't want to blow my proverbial load already, but I liked the idea of the maxi challenge. I thought the concept of the maxi challenge was kind of neat to do. Um, The thing that I did not like that I will get into later is the execution of the maxi challenge. And we'll talk about that probably ad nauseum during the episode. All right. Evan Ayers, I know you've probably already answered this question multiple times this week, but name two things you liked about the episode and one thing you did not. Yeah, two things I liked. Um, big thing I like. I loved RuPaul gagging at Aquaria, and I loved um, how excited he he gets when he talks about her, especially um, comparing her runway looks, which were another thing I liked a lot. But I, the way he compared her to former winners Raja Valachachki 
and Chad Michaels. I like seeing Rue get excited and showing interest in his queens that are on the show where it doesn't always just it doesn't always seem that he's that enthusiastic. Um, I also really enjoyed Rue's table visits. Um, I'm sure Taylor has a lot more to say about this, but I and I like when it seems to be that he's giving them what it seems like very genuine or very sincere advice instead of just telling them, you know, hey, Adora Delano, take the way that you like to rap and then use that to make this dress. Like, it's, it didn't doesn't always work that way. And I did not love the way that the um, the runway and the main ch- the final challenge was executed. Like Taylor said, I didn't love the choppy editing that made it appear as if the two queens were on the stage at the same time and the fake reactions. Um, it just kind of took me out of the show and it kind of cheapened the the whole episode for me. That's not what I meant, but that is also a good point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. We have. Well. No, but but I I agree with you that the, that the whole where the the good twins are all going to be sitting in the back. Yeah. Uh, the evil twins are on st- I, that whole thing was just not a because yeah because conceptually it it was cool and they you know, they've done things like this before they did it in All Stars one where they had to be a superhero with like a daytime normal look and they had you know in season seven they were the dancing queens with the half and half drag but. This like took that idea to a fuller level, but the way it was presented, I thought was kind of corny. I think a better way to have done this would have been at the halfway point if all of the eliminated queens had come back and they had to have where that other person was their evil twin. Ooh, oh, that's interesting. I but think that, like they like they did with the conjoined twins. The was that that was, was that season seven? Yeah, that was season seven, wasn't it? If they had done something like that and brought everybody back, that that would have been as far as wanting to do that whole where everybody's standing on stage and all that kind of stuff. And or they just put the vixen in five different drag looks. <laughs> yes, that would have been that would have been an excellent way to have done that. You know, it's so funny. Is I'm, I'm really because the name of the episode is Evil Twins, mm-hmm. and why? I mean, this is such a perfect opportunity. Why didn't they just call it Inner Saboteurs? Um, I mean, and that was a, a phrase that was thrown around a lot, uh, you know, and it's sort of obviously based on that. And it's obviously, and also answers Taylor's questions. They really, I think they really wanted the Queens and they wanted to get those conversations with RuPaul about that inner saboteur. I know you have a problem with that. But anyway, two things I liked about the episode. First thing I liked about the episode was, um, I do, I also liked the concept of the mini challenge. I thought it was really great, but I'm a sucker for that new age pop psychology kind of shit. So this is where Taylor and I will have a bunch of conversations about that concept. Uh, also, um, I really loved your, uh, Aquarius looks. Oh my God. Both looks, both for Aquaria and for Sabatina. I loved both looks. And to be honest with you, I thought the looks across the board were really good. And I'm, as we all know, I'm a very, uh, fond, uh, I'm very fond of the looks and talking about the looks. And so that's why my opinion is important here. And what I didn't like, I could not stand this motherfucking goddamn mini challenge. That was the stupidest piece of shit mini challenge I've ever seen in my entire life. And, uh, anyway, hi, my name is Joe Batanz and I host RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Um, all right. After Monet's elimination, the girls walk into the workroom to remove their drag. Everyone is sad about Monet's elimination, including Karen Michaels. Cracker, meanwhile, is happy with her own win, despite her own self-doubt. The next day, RuPaul entered the workroom with special guest Cheyenne Jackson to announce this week's mini-challenge. To honor the drag brunch tradition, the girls were forced to decorate pancakes into different characters. Cheyenne Jackson would try each... Try... 
each pancake in, in quotes, each pancake and named the winner. After sort of tasting all the pancakes, Cheyenne Jackson named Asia O'Hara and her pancake Panquisha as the winners of the challenge. Uh, Taylor the Latte Boy, what were your thoughts on that whole first act there? The mini challenge, the, the there's not, I don't know if you have stuff to say about uh, coming in after the elimination. What, what were, and everything we just said right now, did you have any thoughts? I, I thought, the well, them walking back into the workroom and mm-hmm. and and washing it off with the sponge, I thought was a nice moment. Okay, um, and it shows that there is a sp- this is the part of the season where you really start to see the final four, five, six actually gel, and where you know they, really at this point they're either going to be friendly or they're not. Mm-hmm. And it seems as though everybody was genuinely fond of Monet, as I think a lot of the audiences. Um, the the moment with Cameron where she was saying this is very hard, you know, she was, she was like, she didn't want to necessarily be the one to wash it off and seemed kind of sad about everything Mm -hmm. felt very parallel to the first episode of all stars three, where Ben was very, when Ben eliminated the first queen, how she was talking about how difficult she didn't realize how difficult it would be to do that. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Cameron had already done this pretty much like two weeks in a row I could see where that would start to wear on somebody that isn't necessarily known for being very bombastic and very much of just, you know, how, oh, Hey, I'm here. To, I'm here to slay, you know, that, that is a part of the game that maybe she didn't recognize that she would have to do once, let alone twice. Yeah. Um, the pancake thing, I said, I liked it just because it was something slightly different. Um, I thought Asia's was the best pancake out of everybody. I didn't understand the whole, we're, we're saying we're going to eat a piece of pancake, but it looks like we're eating a marshmallow every <laughs> every time he would with a little tiny you know fork. But not even like a but, real marshmallow, but like a, a like a, a, a like one of those like what are those dumb Halloween ones like like a Lucky Charm? Yeah, like like yeah, it just looked like a dry, crusty marshmallow. But mm-hmm. I, which is whatever. my drag name. I have a question though about Cheyenne Jackson. Sure, go ahead. I'm the. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if you know this. I am the president. Of the Cheyenne Jackson fan club, of we course call, you are. We call How ourselves. Come you reveal this now after a week yeah. with you. You mm-hmm. finally become interesting. Mm-hmm. We call it the <laughs> the Jackson Five because only five of us. <laughs> right, but, right, but, exactly. So, okay, I kind of remember mm-hmm. a couple of years ago he went sort of Lucian Piani, if mem- if memory serves. Like he mm-hmm. had like kind of a breakdown a couple years ago. And I remember one of the things that they talked about was the fact that he got all these weird prison tattoo look at like we was like doing them themselves. And I so I specifically looked at that to see if he had them on his arms and he didn't. Mm-hmm. Was that just like a avant-garde like a thing that he was trying to do or did we know that allegedly, but I kind of remember the fact that he went through a phase of where he was like doing really weird tweets and doing really weird social media things. It was like looking really haggard and, mm-hmm. and looked like maybe he was imbibing in something, but he looks good now. But I just, I just was surprised that he didn't have any of the weird tattoos. No, you know, I, I as a president of the Cheyenne Jackson <laughs> fan club, uh, uh-huh. I, I I don't know if I can really comment, but I'm going to tell you something. This this lend this leads me to think, you know, like one of the things I've been putting up with uh, for the past eight days, Taylor, is any time I say any sort of fact, immediately I have uh, factcheck.org uh, next to me. <laughs> could you hear me <laughs> typing? Yeah, well, you, I could hear Taylor skyping out because you were typing. I have factcheck.org. Evan Ayers. They're like, I, Taylor, I could literally say the sun goes down and he's fucking going on Google. 
to find out if the sun really goes down. So, uh, Evan Ayers, what have we learned about what Taylor said about Cheyenne Jackson? He does have a lot of very bizarre arm tattoos. Um, and I'm assuming they're still there unless he's had them removed. One of them says, only the gentle are ever really strong. And it's like on, like, like on the front of his arm. And he's got a bunch of weird ones on his bicep. Um, but that's all I have. Also, I, it says this around when he split from his husband. Who apparently, have you guys seen his his like little porn video? Who, Cheyenne Jackson's? Yeah. I've seen a picture of his penis. I've before. seen a picture of his penis, It was something too. where they always kind of said they weren't sure if it was him or not, but it looked a lot like him, and you could only really see the head of the penis. Yeah, but I think I think the whole gag with that is that I thought I think someone could like clock that his tattoo, but yeah, does he's unless he's had him removed, they're all still there. He was also in a long sleeves the whole time, so we never really saw him. Do we, oh, but you saw his forearms though, that because I was specifically looking to see if he had the yeah. crazy prison tattoos. But oh, Evan, Evan do, you, know. do you know anything about this meltdown that Taylor's talking about? No, I don't. All right. Oh, now I'm typing in Cheyenne Jackson porn as soon as we're done taping this. Cause... I didn't know there was a porn, but uh, th- I saw the penis. I remember the penis being very not attractive. I, I want to say it was like a very thin shaft with a weird kind of head that uh, uh, I love how my not talking about sex uh, lasted about one episode. <laughs> Look, if this fucking bothers you, then fucking don't listen to the goddamn show. Anyway, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> that's my. Oh, sorry, that was my inner saboteur. Hey, inner saboteur. Uh, anyway, wow, the uh, waves just like stop moving from all that rage. <laughs> that didn't make any sense. Go no, on. it didn't even make any sense whatsoever. Save me, save me from myself. So the point is, though, but Taylor, what did you think of the actual mini challenge? You liked it. It was, I mean, yeah, it was, it was something different. It wasn't day drag. It wasn't the weird. Oh yeah. He does have a nice penis. Um, it, it wasn't the usual, you know, you've got 10 minutes and then they all kind of look kind of rough and, or, or the, the one with the, I, I just liked it because it was something different. Evan Ayers, what were your thoughts on the mini challenge? Um, I thought the mini challenge was actually could have been very funny. It was unnecessary that Cheyenne Jackson was there eating it. I, it w- I would have been fine with them doing just like a create your pancake challenge and like present it like they had to present like a little pound cake or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got the connection drag queens doing drag brunch and brunch being it was sponsored by some, you know, company that does drag brunches. I got it, but it made no sense to the main challenge. And I think we could have easily just done with them presenting their pancakes and that being it. I don't. I didn't need to watch Cheyenne Jackson pretend to eat any kind of carb, much less a marshmallow. Yeah, we we all know that Cheyenne Jackson has had he hasn't had a carb since two thousand four. Thank you. Uh, all right, for this week's maxi challenge, the girls needed to create outfits and voiceovers that expressed two versions. Of themselves. The first look was to represent them at their best and brightest, while the second look would be their evil twin. For today's show, we're going to discuss each queen and their respective twins one at a time. But before we do this, because I know that one Taylor, the latte boy, has thoughts about this in general. Taylor, the latte boy, what what were your thoughts about the challenge in general? I like I said I like the idea. I I'm always a sucker on TV shows, comedies, soap operas, that kind of stuff where an evil twin shows up and that mm-hmm. you kind of have that juxtaposition of the character mm-hmm. that you know and love versus somebody that's supposed to be the exact opposite. Yeah. So in that, like I said, the concept is something that I thought was actually pretty cool. Okay. Um my issue with it 
it really goes more to what I think that you told me privately that you liked about the episode. And that is more the discussion of what the evil twin was supposed to represent um, in relation to psychologically, uh, emotionally, and all of the uh, dark corners of the queen's minds and what was done to try to pull that out of queens. Okay. That that's that is where I have a problem. I don't know how much you want me to go into this now. Go into it now. To, okay. Uh, as I get that, I, I get a couple of things. One, I get that RuPaul is very big into therapy, and that RuPaul that therapy has definitely helped RuPaul over the years, and that she likes to spout off, um, as I think Joe, as you said earlier, like new agey, you know, little mottos and that kind of stuff. Stuff that she's learned, stuff that works for her. I get that. I also get that I think we talked about on a previous episode that at some point there is hopefully some sort of counselor somewhere that if somebody's having a difficult time that the, the contestants can talk to. My problem is with this is that Rue, as a clinician, what Rue did and what was shown on TV, I also get we're only getting a piece of this, was very dangerous and it was very foolhardy because Rue fancies herself because she is somebody that has been through therapy for as many years, however long she's been in, we can assume she is, she is thinking to herself, well, I know I I'm a therapist. I'm just a therapist without a degree. That's the way this came off. And when she was really pushing some of the Queens it it really kind of left a really bad taste in my mouth. And it really kind of was concerning for me because she's doing this because it makes for good television in her mind and in the mind of many of her listeners, viewers, sorry. Um, but what we're seeing is she kind of is walking over to them, getting them to reveal their biggest and deepest secrets or their secret, their feelings about themselves. And then pretty much saying, okay, well, you know, you just got to make it work. We'll see you on the runway. And then turns around and walks away. As a therapist, that is something I would never, ever do to a client. That is not we, – we, we have a saying that we were at the end of the session, you sew them back up. During the, during the session, you rip them open, you look, around at, you look around at their emotions, you help them work with it, but then you never leave a client where they are sad, think you know, overthinking things, depressed about stuff. You try to do something where you end on a positive note, you end in a way that allows them to kind of think forward. This this is not about bettering the contestants. This is about RuPaul wanting that, wanting that meat and wanting that emotion for entertainment purposes. I also get she's not there to be their therapist, but to do this in this way was from from a clinical and an ethical level as a therapist was very hard to watch, and whether or not we know they were given access to therapists to talk things out later, I I don't know. We don't know that, but it, if if it wasn't, if there wasn't something offered to them, that's there, there's. I would almost say legal ramifications of that. If God forbid one of them, think about somebody like uh, Katya, and the struggles that Katya had with feelings of self worth, feelings of anxiety, and really kind of broke down. I'm, I'm trying to think of somebody else that had something similar, but Katya, I remember one time had a moment where she, I want to say she was talking to fame and she said something like, I don't deserve to be her and started to like, where it wasn't for the camera. It was, you can tell the difference between like 
Eureka crying and Katya crying, it, it, there was there was a genuine moment there that where you actually for a second genuinely felt for her. If she had had somebody like that that happened that then couldn't handle it, like Nina Bonita Brown, like yeah, that's a great example, a Nina Bonita Brown that would have just taken all of that in and taken that. Well, I don't think you're really pushing hard enough. That that could have been detrimental after they leave. I mean, as we saw, you know, fortunately, if, well, I don't want to say fortunately, but Cracker had was pushing as far as Cracker was willing to go. And the fact that Rue was pushing her further, when she, when she wasn't ready to go there, she wasn't ready to reveal herself. It's it's just, there's, there's I use this phrase anytime I talk about something that I don't like on the show, but it just felt gross and it felt very slimy. We had one of our listeners whose name I can't remember use the word exploitative. And I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that as a clinician. Now, I not to speak for Joe, but I I know that you know one of the things that Joe Joe likes conflict, as we talked about. I'm not trying to talk for you, but shut up, Joe, no, Joe I don't. Tra- what? Shut up, no, I don't. You don't like, <laughs> but you know, but but there's the drama piece to it. I I just there's some, there's something about it that just felt very slimy to me about about the whole experience, and I would hope that they would be offered something after this particular. Uh, experience was over, particularly Cracker. Because, you know, what does that, that say? If I don't completely open myself up to the world and completely expose myself, I'm going to now be punished for that and I'm going to be removed from something that I really, really wanted. That as she said at the end, you know, I feel like I let down all of these people that supported me. That That's one of those things that sticks in your head. And that's one of those things that you could really, if you're the type of person that ruminates on that, at th- that could have a severe detrimental effect for a long time to somebody. So that's, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, we can talk about specifics about each queen, but that's, that was, that was my feeling on it. So, so Mr. Happy's back, everybody. Mr. Loves everything about the show is back for, I know, you know I'm just waiting for those emails. Like, uh, and, and to which I say to those people that send emails, I, I appreciate the fact that you think I'm wrong and please forward them to me and I'll be happy to discuss it even more. That's not like a, well, a lot thing. of That's the emails a- are very like, well, why do you even watch the show? You clearly hate the show. We have we already have our own inner saboteurs. They're called people who listen to the main show for free. Because, <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny. If we were to do like the, the nice twins would be our Patreon supporters who just say wonderful things to us. Now, now by the way, not not just kissing our ass. They, we do get uh, constructive criticism, but it seems to be more constructive criticism from the Patreon people. But it's anyone who just listens to a show that they get for motherfucking free on iTunes. Not everybody. We uh, when you consider how many we have, we have a. Small no, I'm talking about the nasty group. emails. I'm the nasty one, emails. Yeah, 100 percent of the nasty emails is always from some fucking asshole who doesn't even like. I could see you have then you have some sort of investment in the show when you support us on Patreon. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't can't write us a letter and that you can't do. People write us constructive criticism all the time, and anyone who has will know that we always respond very well to that. It's the person who's like, well, fuck you. You told me that now I know who, but because I read between the lines of what you said, I'm never going to listen to your show because I figured out because I did calculus to figure out that who's going to go next between, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, go fuck yourself. Anyway, hi. So Uh, the the point, I want to address what Taylor said. I'm sorry, Evan. Sit down. Uh, Adults are talking. The, um, (laughs) I want, I want to address what Taylor said. One, 
is and 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 it's gonna be it's not a complete disagreement, but it's also not complete agreement. One, based on the little I know, because I listen to this What's the Tea in spurts. So I'll go three months without listening to What's the Tea, and then I'll listen to all of them, you know. But from Mm -hmm. the little that I know from What's the Tea, by the way, three months of of What's the Tea is two months of commercial and one month of content. Anyway, um, what I know about this What's the Tea is I don't think RuPaul's ever talked about actually being in therapy. I'm sure she has. But she, I feel like she did on an when I used to listen early on. She, ta- I, I, I may be wrong. You could be. I don't. We'll I could hear be about I could, it if I, I could, am. Yeah, but I could. Be I feel like well. she did talk in early episodes about being in therapy. So, but she for sure is definitely a student of not just the Course in Miracles, but also like any kind of like Eckhart Tolle or Yonla Van Zant. You know those people, and is a student of that school of like pop psychology you... new age <laughs> I'm philosophy. so sorry I'm so sorry what the fuck is going on <laughs> oh my god he really did just jump into the ocean just gonna hear a splash in a second is he okay I don't know if he's okay or not I, I can't deal right I just so much drama with these 20 year olds <laughs> Taylor earlier it's cause you said adults are talking so now he's doing I that know. I'm fine I'm fine. I'm fine. You guys I'm just fine. do the episode yourself. You know, I'm gonna go to bed. I have chicken pox. I'm, I'm gonna so, go. I'm no, gonna go. Actually, no. I'm like very sorry. Okay. I'm very sorry, and then just vanishes. Oh, I'm here. I'm, I'm. I was letting you pick back up. I'm sorry. I like. I literally started choking on like literally nothing. <gasps> go on. Your jokes. No, like it was like. Literally dust. I'm going dry. I'll I tell you what's shady is Taylor making fun of someone for coughing. <laughs> that is true. I, but see, have I coughed once? No, you have not. No, you have not. No. So anyway, this this RuPaul is a student of those people, and and I and I know what she's saying. Now listen, RuPaul knows this shit. <clears throat> now they haven't passed it to me. RuPaul knows this shit way better than I do. Right, and that's actually one thing I've always really liked about RuPaul. RuPaul is really good at articulating the points from those that New Agey philosophy, pop psychology, and the way she articulates them are so insightful. Okay, and I always I like the, I like to hear her talk. I actually think she should have her own show, like Eon Levanzant, like this. It should be RuPaul Fix My Life, not Eon Levanzant, right? And mm-hmm. um, but one of the problems that I do have with RuPaul. And this new age psychology is I've studied the Course in Miracles a little bit. And, the, and just so everyone should know, the Course in Miracles is really about forgiveness. And it's about forgiving not only yourself, but also forgiving and for healing. I should say healing. It's about healing. It's about healing yourself, but also healing your relationships with others. That's really what it's about in a nutshell. Okay. okay. And I sort of, but there is an element that if you read into it a certain way, that you can take it as I am destined for greatness and, you know, I can do whatever it takes to be awesome because I'm awesome, right? I don't want to get into it, but I can see how one can read it. I do, I do, I do sort of feel like RuPaul sort of subscribes to that school of thought. I'll give you a perfect example that would be more accessible is imagine somebody who uh, maybe was born without parents and they have a rags to riches story, correct? And they right. have is that, to. Is that possible to be born without parents? Well, I mean, where their parents aren't in their lives. 
and oh, okay. they uh, have a rags to riches story. And in that rags to riches story, you know, they and they really did work them the, from the bottom up and become very successful. I think sometimes what happens with those people is they forget all the people that helped them along the way. And they think, I did this all myself. And if I did this all myself, then if you can't do it all yourself, there's something wrong with you. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel RuPaul has the same sense sort of emotionally. Like, you, And you can use Oprah and RuPaul as different sides of the coin. Oprah obviously used these same principles. And I'm, I'm not saying she's successful because of these principles, but there, there is a danger of, RuPaul, of Oprah thinking that way. But I don't get the sense that Oprah thinks that way. I get the sense of that Oprah would think, I'm successful and I was lucky and these principles helped me. Uh, and if you use these principles, you can not necessarily be successful, but at least be happy, you know? Whereas I feel, I get the sense RuPaul thinks, I'm successful because I use these principles. And if you're not successful, it's because you're not using those principles. Does that make sense? And I yeah. think that's sort of the danger of Ru- So I don't know if necessarily RuPaul, I think a lot of what you said is true, but I don't know if necessarily RuPaul is coming at them with, um, the this this whole business of uh of like necessarily I'm your therapist but more like what's what's wrong with you if you just did this this and this and this then you would be successful like me and if you're not and if you're not successful like me then it's because you're not following these principles and I think that's dangerous I'll give you a quick, I'll give you a quick example of RuPaul sort of not really following the course of miracles in in general. You know, one of the things you learn in The Course in Miracles is that nothing is real, okay? That none of this exists. This is all an illusion, of this world that we live in, right? And that really all minds are joined. And Taylor and Evan, there's no place where I stop and you begin. We're all part of this one being, if you will. And that we live in this sort of illusion where we, where it, the separation between us is an illusion. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, okay. Yeah. So the, re- it's the way- energy, it's, it's just energy kind of coming and going into each other. It's almost kind versus- of like the matrix is that like everything we've seen here is a construct, a construct and it doesn't really exist. We're just beings again that exist in love. Don't worry. I'm not going to get too into it. Right. Where I'm going with this is, is one of the things you would learn and you should, and, and to help heal yourself is that when something happens or when something says something to you, that none of it is real. Okay. That it doesn't really exist. Okay, I'm not going to get too into it, but I'm going to get to the point that is if someone writes a mean tweet at you in The Course in Miracles, you come at them with love, you know, and you wouldn't necessarily block them because that tweet, it doesn't exist. It doesn't real. It's not real. And that what actually that person is experiencing at, the, at an emotional level is fear. And it's really all about them. You know, it's, it's, it's really more about what they're saying. And, and, and again, this is turning into the Course in Miracles podcast. And that's not the most point, the point I'm making is. But this RuPaul blocks anyone who, if you just look at RuPaul wrong on Twitter, you're going to get blocked. And even if you think about the, the famous feuds that RuPaul has had with people, whether it be uh, Courtney Act or even to this Azalea Banks recently, the way RuPaul responds isn't from a very Course in Miracles perspective. I'm not saying she's wrong. I'm not saying that RuPaul is wrong. And the Course in Miracles doesn't say you shouldn't stand up for yourself. But a lot of... And you know what? To be honest with... No, no, no. You're right. I'm still right. 
a lot of the things she says aren't from A Course in Miracles perspective. And by the way, I'm not saying that I'm perfect. In fact, if anything, I'm a very flawed student. But but then to go out, the, the thing is, and often when you hear people who go out and talk about it, who don't know what they're talking about, they'll be the first person to say, I'm also not a perfect student of this. Does that make sense? But there is a sort of air of RuPaul like acts like, and she's never said this, but there is a sort of air that I am a you know, a, a, an enlightened master. When yeah, the, I think the, that's what she tries to present. Yes. And the truth so, of the matter is it's yeah. RuPaul work every And this is actually a phrase from RuPaul, but RuPaul talks about how every day all of us wake up with a tail and we need to chop off that tail, you know, every day. And, but every day you wake up with that tail again. Okay. And, and, and I, and I, that's what I worry about on this show is she uses these principles to almost point out the flaws in people, but not necessarily, that's not necessarily from going from that perspective. Okay. Go ahead and say what you're going to say, Taylor. Well, but I was going to say, but the flaws are what she feels are flaws, not what the, because if you think about it, she's always, you know, and a good example, she's, it always seems like she's trying to get queens that have very, different styles and very different, you know, uh, ways that they do drag. She's always kind of trying to nudge them in some way into the queen that she wants them to be. I also get that they don't have to go on the show and that, you know, ultimately it's RuPaul's drag race, but an example of that would be a way where it's almost like she doesn't use her voice, but she's got Michelle next to her where Michelle says, you know, stop relying on that body. You need to start doing this. Your makeup is this way. You need to do this. You need to wear a different wig. Stop with the pussycat wigs. All of those kind of things, because ultimately she wants them to be more like her. And this was a way to do this. I think almost on an emotional level, I agree with you that she definitely has this air of if, you know, I, I have read all of these books. So I am, it's almost like where she's calling herself the master of all of these different, you know, self-help styles, stylings and all that sort of thing. Um, but the, the problem is she's not. She, 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 she may practice this life and that good for her. It's obviously it's obviously been very, very successful for her. But to kind of take people and get them to where this this goes above and beyond what would little Taylor say to himself. The, the, this 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 went a layer deeper. So I get that maybe she recognized that the whole what would little so and so say was almost becoming a joke in some ways. Mm-hmm. It, it, it there's there's just it, it, the whole thing. I'm looking at it not necessarily from self help, but looking at it from clinical because ultimately, whether it's you're reading a self help book, whether you're talking to a therapist, whether you're going to a support group, whether you do whatever. These are still contestants. These are still people's emotions. Mm -hmm. And these are still statements that people, especially like when they were walking out and they're like, Eureka was making the comments of, I know everybody thinks I'm a big fat pig and all that kind of stuff. She had to go in a room and record that Mm -hmm. and then have it played over speakers in front of a panel of people. Mm -hmm. I, I, I clinically, that is not, a healthy thing to do that that is something that i would hope that she would talk to somebody about that afterwards and not and not just rupaul coming up for 20 minutes and talking to her at, at a work table this is this is you know i i'm saying this because i genuinely hope that the five people that she had this conversation with all received some sort of support afterwards some sort of whether it's they found a book that they worked with whether they went to a course in miracles whether they had a counselor that they talked to somebody it it just it can I, I was genuinely concerned for all five contestants 
and how they were doing emotionally after this after this exercise and experience. Well, you know what's so funny is uh, I can't remember what the incident was, but there was an incident where they did have to have a contestant talk to a psychologist. Maybe Nina Bonita Brown, and maybe Katya. I don't remember. It was tri- it was tricks. I'm here by the way still. Um, it was Trixie. Oh yes, during All Stars three. And Trixie, because right? she was okay. Like, I was gonna say I know we just talked about that recently on a show. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So uh, there's that. But also, you know, when you were talking right now, I was thinking about something, and we're gonna get to when we get to the individual contestants. But I and and this is different from the initial episode that was released on Thursday. But my opinion has changed, and I actually do think the decision based on the challenge, regardless of whether you think it's ethical or not. Uh, the the judges made the correct decision in that Cameron and Crackers' inner dialogue for their uh, evil twins was not as necessarily insightful as the others. Even though I still hold that they they actually I don't think Aquarius was either, and but they never addressed it because they wanted to give her the win. The only one well, who gave, the only one who gave really insightful according to the challenge inner dialogues for the 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 saboteur were Eureka and Asia. Okay, according to the challenge. Now that okay. said, that said, how this RuPaul is judging them about that. Meanwhile, she has that stupid rude Paul who comes in, right to the workroom to be her own inner saboteur. She didn't say shit either. RuPaul mm-hmm. didn't. RuPaul didn't expose herself. I'd respect no. it more if rude Paul came in and really exposed how RuPaul feels. You know, and go like, look, I'm going to do it too. It's good for the goose. It's good for the gander. But she didn't. She just came in there and made fun of, the, of RuPaul saying, and then going to key her car. Right? Yeah. And then made fun of the, she, of, the, of, the, of the script reading, the way RuPaul read the script. She's talked about this, though. She's talked about it before in the past and other, other seasons. But, it, you know, she's talked about how she has to, like, talk herself off this ledge or she gets still in her head and she has these feelings of self-doubt. But it probably would have been helpful to hear it. You made a good point, Joey. It would have been better if she came out as RuPaul in drag. I think that's her. That's her inner saboteur. Yeah, I do. Not I, this RuPaul. Yeah, I I do think uh, that uh, the Glamazon or the monster, if you will, uh, is really RuPaul's inner saboteur, or Michelle Visage, one of the two. Yes, Taylor. <laughs> Michelle Visage is her inner, inner saboteur. I th- I th- you you just said something that uh, one that is a very good point about, and I totally forgot about RuPaul just because it was a stupid part of the show. <laughs> but um, yeah, if she had come out and been more genuine and it wasn't just for, but that goes to the, this is for entertainment. This isn't for the betterment of, of these Queens. You talked about the fact that you feel as though it was correct that Cameron and cracker were because theirs weren't the most insightful. And I guess my challenge to that is they weren't the most insightful according to you and RuPaul, but that may be, the most insightful they could have been to, to at that time. You know, we talk about in therapy, one of the things that we say is you meet the client where they're at. Mm-hmm. And I have clients that I've worked with that I've thought to myself, this is your issue. But if I just say to you, well, this is your issue, then you're not going to learn anything from it. So it may take weeks, even months to kind of peel back layers of the onion to get to a place where they finally say, oh, well, A happens because of B. You know, and it's I think that she was expecting them to get to B when they were still working on A. And that that to me, that that's where I have a problem with this is that you may have some people that weren't, you know, especially Cracker and Cameron that may not have been ready to expose any themselves anymore because they emotionally were not able, they, they weren't ready to expose themselves to themselves. 
So for her to come in and try to, we're pushing you, we're pushing you. We want this information. We want you to go deeper. We want you to go deeper. You want you want them to go deeper for ratings, not for the betterment of that person. And that that to me is that to me is just it's unethical. It's unethical I from a, a clinical standpoint. I, I get a, that she's not a she's not a therapist. She's not a counselor. She's not a psychologist. But I am watching it through those eyes. And what I am saying is, if I had somebody that worked for me that was doing that, they would be out. I have a response to that, but I think I feel we've ignored our young uh, Padawan here, Evan Ayers. Evan, do you have anything to say about what we just said? That isn't no, a quote. That isn't a quote from Drag Race. That isn't no, no, fuck it, my drag no, ride or anything like that. No, no, no. I, I'm letting you guys have your have grown up time. Um, the is wait, 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 Evan. You skyped out. Go ahead. Um, I mean, I have I have a thought on on her harsh criticism to Cracker specifically. I don't know if they want to wait until we talk about. Why do we like, talk about Cracker? But what about the the challenge in general? The challenge, you know, I think I again not looking at this through the eyes of as a therapist. Um, I think the intention with this challenge was kind of in line with what the show is all about. With the statement of "If you can't love yourself, how else are you going to love anybody else?" and that. And part of loving yourself is being able to embrace and kind of acknowledge and give those inner voices or demons. Um, and by acknowledging them kind of diminishes their power. Actually, she talked to Kati about this on All Stars 2, where Kati says, you know, I, I call that voice in my head Brenda. And by calling her Brenda, I'm able to say, Brenda, shut the fuck up. And having acknowledging it, you have it becomes less powerful. And so I can see how the intent was for Rue to say, well, you guys are men that dress up in wigs. You guys obviously have a, a level of confidence and awareness in yourselves, but in order to love and be more, in order to love yourself, you have to be able to at least acknowledge the things about yourself that you don't like. And that's something that I try to practice. And, um, but there is something much more drastic about doing it on under a very stressful environment on a television show that they're probably exhausted and overworked and mm-hmm. um, very vulnerable. And so I think it, it must have been difficult for the contestants to do, but um, I think the, the the worst part about it was the criticism that some of the queens were like overproducing what they wanted to reveal about themselves, which is mostly crackers. The clearly cracker was dealing with bigger demons than she was willing to to discuss on the show, and that's why she was eliminated. And that's where I can see it being terrible to eliminate her for this. So I agree. I very much agree, and I have a different perspective now hearing Taylor's thoughts. But um, I. I, I'm, I'm seeing my, my perception of this is, is completely changed now. So that's all I really have. I can see where, where they were trying to go with this. And if you're going to embrace yourself, embrace all parts of yourself. Um, but that's very much easier said than done. So I, I, go ahead. I, if I want to add something to yeah. what, what Evan just said in that I, I agree. You're also, you figure at this point, how many days there's nine of them gone. You figure it takes two to three days, an episode to, produce right because they have one day with the mini setting up and then one day for runway so at this point it's been three weeks that they're working straight possibly they have weekends off you know, they okay well either either way working very long days under lights under all the stuff that's going on emotionally you're already exhausted and you want to win this thing it's it felt like it was kind of the equivalent of the scene in the movie where the girl goes in and she's going to get her big break and the guy that the, the producer says okay take your top off and she doesn't yeah. really want to do it, but she knows I've got to do something. So she takes her top off. And she st- it's like, I think it's the fame at the end where she's crying with her top off, where it's just, the, it's the zoom in on the, the, the TV. Sc- like that's, 
that that is what some of it felt like, especially when they were saying, you know, you're not they're not showing enough. They're not when the five of them were on the runway or on, on the judges panel and they were talking about, you know, I, I want her to give more and she's not willing to give more. Like, who the fuck are you to say that, you know, that they haven't given enough today? Yeah. All right. I'm done. Ta- I'm, I'm done. I feel like I just keep saying the same thing over and again. But I mean, you guys continue talking about this as much as you like. Well, Joe, you talk. I'm going to pee. Why do we need to know that? Because and so you know I'm not here. Yeah, we we've done pretty well without you for the past 45 minutes. So anyway, <gasps> the point is that you know one of uh, Evan's big complaints about me once I've been here is that like I'm nice to him when it's just me and him, and then whenever mm-hmm. a third person comes in the room, that I become a dick. This is probably evidence of that. Anyway, right. um, welcome to my marriage, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's the I'm first st- time I've laughed in eight days. All right, so. <laughs> Anyway, what I was going to say is, and obviously this is not that I'm comparing apples to oranges here, and there is so much, this is not, a, I know I'm going to get that this analogy is not correct and not a good analogy to use at all. But if you know how to cook, if you're a chef and you watch Top Chef, then I'm sure there are a lot of things that you see that you're like, oh my God, I would never, that you would, I would never fly in a real kitchen. Or, you know, you often talk to lawyers and whenever you bring up Judge Judy, they're like, oh, you're not a real judge, blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's true. And I think the same thing is here. This is a competition show. And these people know what they're signing up for. And so ultimately, you're right that, um, you may be 100% right that Cameron and Cracker did the best that they could with this challenge, and that's where they were. But then ultimately, then you don't get to go on in the competition. It's like if they had a drag queen and had no legs, right? And then epi- challenge number four was uh, who has the best legs, right? Well, no harm, no foul, but you have no legs. That's, that's a little different. That's a little different. I think that you can go into this knowing – you know, they, they, they know they just have to get to the, you know, to where it's the top eight because then they do snatch game. And they know that at some point there is going to be, you know, a, th- there's going to be certain challenges along the way. Mm-hmm. And I would say to some degree at this point, because they've done it the last three years, they know there's going to be some what would little Joe say to, you know, Joe Batanz about this. Mm-hmm. So I think they know on some level there is going to be something where they're going things, especially if they get to the top four, top five, whatever that be. But the fact that this was primarily an entire episode about that and, you know, looks, looks notwithstanding, I think I said that wrong, but whatever it's, it's still, it, 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 that, that, you're already emotionally exhausted and get, and to get to that place. I just, I just have a problem with how drawn out that was and how it wasn't, you know, I need more, I need more, I need more. You know, if you go in thinking it's one thing and then it's something else on an emotional level like that, I don't know that it's fair that Cameron and Cracker, for that reason, were in the bottom two. We can talk about looks. That's completely different. But as far as for the amount they are willing to give emotionally and psychologically to the show, and that is why they're in the bottom two, that is what I have a problem with. All right. Well, anyway... Cameron, let's actually talk about them individually, okay? Okay. Cameron Michaels and Katrina Michaels. Now, I do have some notes here, just for specifics here, if you want a reminder here, Mm -hmm. is that we did learn that uh, Cameron is not making her outfit, okay? 
She was, and she kept saying the word. She's also the one that kept saying "sabatois," which I liked. Yeah. Um, she, I think there was a point that if she's shy, she's also not. If 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 you're shy, it's also an excuse not to expand. And I believe it was Asia that said that there was no depth to Cameron. You know, that uh, Cameron lacked depth. And uh, I, I wanted to know what, what each of you thought of Cameron. Sort of, and then also we saw the looks. So why don't you tell me everything here? Tell me what you thought about the looks, her inner dialogue, her storyline on the show, about the no depth and whatnot. Uh, let's start with Taylor. I would, <laughs> I respectfully disagree. Um, I think that some of the most in-depth people I know are often the most quiet because if you are not, and, and some of the loudest extroverts I know, or some of the most extroverted people I know actually don't necessarily have a lot of depth because it is the introverted people that tend to be observers and is the introverted people that tend to catch certain things that nobody else catches in the room. Mm-hmm. Say, you know, well, you're not, if you're saying to yourself, you're not expanding, you might not be expanding on the outside where your biggest life and you're running around, you know, screaming and yelling, but that doesn't mean that on the inside, you're not, you're not expanding. All right. But what did you think of Cameron Michaels looks? And, uh, Oh, are we just talking about the looks? <laughs> well, so we're, 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 thought... doing, we're doing the whole thing here, but so you, okay. you, you gave your thoughts on that, but then also what did you think of the looks and everything like that? What did you think of her, her overall I, performance? I liked, the show? The, I liked the looks. I thought they were, they were a little costumey. They definitely had a video game vibe to them, mm-hmm. but I particularly loved Cameron's makeup as the evil twin with the, um, the red going into yellow and the white face paint with the lip and everything. She kind of looked like a character from star Wars that I love. Mm-hmm. So and that might've been where she was going with that. But I, I get the whole Halloween costume esque, the whole cosplay mm-hmm. aspect to it. But I thought, I thought she looked great for both. Evan Ayers, your thoughts. Yeah. Um, I, I said on the, our first response that I was going to mill over like the argument that these look costumey and Joe made a really good point. I did not, love her her good side look but i did actually i would agree with you i liked her second look the problem is that when i watched it i knew going into it that there was they were given a on the list of looks they had to prepare one of them was like a prehistoric look and so for me it was hard to see this anything her cracker and even aquarius although i love aquarius they all kind of just felt like they were just like throwing together what they had like left over so i didn't really get the the connection as, as she didn't look like an evil interceptor that she looked, looked amazing. Um, but it, because her character is, has been so kind of absent this whole season, it was really hard to feel like she was uh, revealing anything sincere about herself at all. Cause we don't really know much except that she feels uncomfortable around straight men, which boohoo. <laughs> I thought she was so boring. This Karen Michaels. I think she's so boring. I- can, could not be less interested as Karen Michaels. I thought but her, she's beautiful. Not to me, she's not. And even then, you know what? This is actually you would you might go like, oh, Jill, I remember season seven. Anything Pearl did, and this is actually. I am now even saying I was wrong in season seven because now I see what everybody else was seeing when they were like, Joe just loved everything Pearl did because this Karen Michaels is just as boring as this Pearl. The looks are, I mean, it's just whatever. Like, Karen Michaels is so whatever to me. 
And now I realize I was wrong because I was giving Pearl that benefit of the doubt too because I just thought Pearl was so hot. Mm-hmm. But uh, Pearl's, Pearl's boring. This Karen Michaels is boring. Everyone's boring. And I felt her inner saboteur dialogue was not insightful at all. All it was that it was just the same old shit. Like it seems to be anytime Karen Michaels wants to expose herself, it's always it's strange when you actually think about it. It's always about like things that actually somebody other people would brag about. She's like, like I am Katrina Michaels, and I'm telling you, you have too many muscles, <laughs> and everyone just thinks you're a pretty face but an empty head. But I know one thing. You're more than just, you're not more than any pretty face. You're just a pretty face. And you're like, these are off. This, the, all you're talking about is how hot you are. Well, and, but to be fair, she does. Are, I'm going to defend her a little bit here because I actually happen to like Cameron Michaels. She, she talks about how people don't take her seriously because, and which is why she has to feminize her drag so much because she is so masculine. And like, perfect example, the second she walked into the workroom, the first thing that someone said was, oh, that's a man, Maury. Mm-hmm. Like, if if her perception of what her drag is is that she tries to be Fisher, she wants to give that illusion, and that's what she hears the second she walks in her room, that may actually really bother her. Yeah, but so what it, sound, saying, it sounds vapid, but uh, drag queens are vapid. So. No, but what I'm saying, no, but hold on for a second. If she said you're vapid, that's the thing, is it turned out that the people that had the least insightful uh, uh, inner dialogues, like Aquaria, Cameron, and Cracker, they never actually shared their own emotions. It was... Here's what other people say to me. Like, so for instance, so for instance, I'll use me. I'm not going to put you guys in the spot and have you guys do your inner saboteur. And I can actually just use Eureka. I actually related a lot to what Eureka's inner saboteur said. And that an inner, and Eureka's inner saboteur really uh, articulated how Eureka feels about herself. Um, But like, so like, so just take Eureka's and apply it to me. You know, like you're a big fat cow. You're old. People don't want to touch you. You're disgusting. Uh, you're really annoying. Uh, your friends only put up with you for whatever reasons. You know, like we'll do Evan. Like Evan probably only putting up with me because you know he's staying in his house in Malibu, but he doesn't really genuinely like me. Like stuff like that, right? But if I were to do a, an inner saboteur, a la those the Cameron Aquaria and Cracker, it would be like. Uh, Joe's a bully and Joe just says these hilarious things that just cut people can't respond to them because they're so witty that then that's not fair for him to do that to people because uh, they can't respond. They're not as witty as Joe. It's just, it's just an extension. Uh, it's, it's the, it's the way a hater might view you. And that's sort of it's humble brag. It's a humble brag, but it's not really exposing yourself. And that's why when I rewatched it, I realized, oh, that's what RuPaul's talking about. Whether We already had a lengthy discussion about the ethics of that. So we're not doing that, but I'm saying in terms of the challenge, Eureka and Asia were the only ones that really exposed those nerves rather than just saying, here's my – in other words, it's almost – to talk about the show is I think we put out the best recap show out there. And if I'm going to talk about flaws – I really think and the inner saboteur for RuPaul's Drag Race recap is I feel we were crippled beyond our control because of Taylor's illness and and uh, you know there's all I'm not gonna I'm not gonna expose on the show what I think about the show, but if I were to be Cracker, Cameron and Aquaria, I would then say like, well, um, my inner saboteur says this is what this asshole on Twitter said about me. But basically, that's exactly what it was. They were essentially reading mean tweets. 
And that's not really exposing who you are. It's how other people view you. And remember, RuPaul says, what other people think of me ain't none of my business. And that was the problem, was that their inner temperature was focused on what other people think of them. Taylor, your thoughts. But you could also say, you, you could also say that everything's repeating in my head. It'll often correct itself. Okay. Um, it could be said, though, that especially somebody like Aquaria, who's 21, the, the opinions of others definitely outweigh her own opinion at this point. And those are the voices. She is not able to, and I'm, I'm saying this with respect to our younger listeners, but she, not be, she may not be at a place where she can articulate her own thoughts. It's all about what people think about her. But then to meet the challenge, then she has to say, I care too much about what other people think. But but that's to meet the challenge for RuPaul. She may not be there yet. But then she, then, then she, then she on failed a, on the an challenge. Emotional level, on a on a developmental level, she may not be at that place yet. Okay, but then she failed. Okay, Evan and I went to this amateur drag contest for Jake. I'm going to tell you something. Everyone except Jake Dupree looked a fucking mess. Okay, I mean, look, a mess, girl. That's I was telling Evan after. I was telling Evan it's afterwards. Amateur, it's amateur drag night. If you were no, at no, that no, show, no, you did not look no, a mess. Girl, hold, please, hold. I'm not. I'm making a point here. The, the look to go out. Let me tell you this. I'm going to say this to balance what I just said. If you have the courage to go out on an amateur drag night, okay, and go in a dress under the lights and lip sync to a song, my hats off to you because I don't have that courage. Okay. And this is true for any kind of uh, art form where you display your vulnerability, whether it be drag or comedy or whatnot. But the point I'm making is that their makeup skills are not at the level. And what I told Evan when we left is like, wow, it really makes you realize that the people who go on Drag Race, even if you are Tempest Du Jour or um, you know Kelly Mantle or Magnolia Crawford, that your makeup skills are so much better than the average, you know, amateur drag night girl, right? And so if, if if you were to throw one of these amateur drag race drag night girls into RuPaul's drag race, they're not at those makeup skill levels yet, so they get booted. Okay? And it's the same thing here. Like you're right, but this is RuPaul's drag race. And if she wants XYZ, that's no there's no T no shade. That's all T no shade. It's then you don't go on. But she's not going to know something like that on where they are on an emotional level to discuss it to that detail that she wanted to until they're on the show. You know, it's one thing to look through somebody's Instagram and go, yeah, she's got awesome looks. And, and this is somebody that we want for, but, and, and also watching the three minute clip or whatever it is that they, they submit, but to go to that place of where on an emotional level, you don't know that until you get to know them and you start to peel back some layers on the show to, to how far they can go emotionally but and where they you, are on, on an emotional developmental level. But then that's why you whittle them down in the competition. Do you think they knew exactly how they would also do in the bossy Rossi show before they put them on? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that they have it. They have a set number of, again, I'm saying they have a set number of units they can work with. They have 14 units or 13, however many queens there are in a season. Mm -hmm. And they know that they have to move things around and adjust things. And some of that is, I think there have been times 
where they thought it was going to go one way and then it went another way. You and I talked at length about the whole Valentina. I'd like to keep it on. Mm -hmm. You were convinced, and I believe you when I think about it, she picked Valentina thinking Valentina would knock this Nina Bonina asshole off the show and we'd get done with her. Mm -hmm. And then she fucked up by not knowing the words. Same thing with Monique and the Vixen. I was going to say, just like the most recent season, Monique. Right. Yeah, Monique and the Vixen too. So, I mean, I think that it might be something where they thought we've got this young queen that's been you know, doing, doing drags and she was 14. So obviously she has, you know, she, she has a lot of experience and has a lot of worldly views and has a lot of things. So we'll be able to get her to open up. We'll be able to rip her open and really get her to expose herself. And as Joe has said before, one of the things Joe loves is to see a twink cry on TV. So, (laughs) I mean, is this something where she thought this will be good for good emotional and all that kind of stuff. And developmentally, if Aquaria is focusing on the fact that she is not, opinions of others in her evil twin dialogue versus uh, focusing on herself that may be where she is and that might have been something where rupaul went okay this isn't what we want but this is the best we got okay we're coming up on an hour nearly an hour and 15 minutes on this so let's actually buzz through the other queens eureka and you filthier uh let me see here i threw my notes here with eureka what we learn about eureka is that she's making her own costumes for the saboteur and that her own saboteur, she thinks she's not good enough and that she's going to be alone forever. And she obviously is concerned about her size, which which does get exposed in the inner dialogue. Uh, Taylor, what were your thoughts on Eureka, you filthier, and the inner dialogue, and particularly, which we know you love talking about, their looks? Uh, okay, well, I, I, will, I will try to keep it brief. I, uh, Eureka's was one that I, I I also kind of responded to the most, especially the whole being of a person of size. And the, there's times where you feel like you're not, you're going to be alone for the rest of your life. I definitely had times in my life, particularly when I was around Eureka's age, that I thought, well, this is this is it. I'm just going to be the, the chubby single guy forever. And and so so in that regards, I responded that um, hers definitely seemed to have the most, not even necessarily using the Danny DeVito voice, but just the most anger in it and the most, you know, just kind of lashing out at herself, which goes back to the four million things I said before. I I loved the neon plaid. I definitely got Cher from Clueless when she came out. Um, and I got the divine makeup and everything. So so in that regard, I liked both of her looks. Okay, Evan Ayers. I thought her look was Cher from That's Amore. Her hit um, song, That's Amore? Her hit song, That's Amore. Yeah, yeah. Um, we need to have a discussion about that at some point, either privately or on the show about that. Joe was just like, I know I know you're behind on the episodes, but Taylor you have to in go the and hospital. listen at this point. Taylor was in the hospital. I was in the – yes, I was laying in the – I was laying in a hospital bed, and I wanted oh them God, to shut off my, my life support machines after I heard that because I – all I wrote was – and it was something where it was like – Joe was like, you know, Taylor, you got to listen to this. And I was in the middle of, you know, I was in the hospital. So I'm like, all right, I'll get to it. I'll listen to it a little bit. He's like, you have to listen to it right now. And I'm like, okay, I'll get to it. Cut to like three hours later, I decided to listen to it. And all I wrote was dot, 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 actual rage. That is the only thing that I put. And he just started laughing. I just like, right, I'm telling you. And I'm like, how can you not know? I was so mad at you. I wanted to shake you and hug you and make you learn the entire history of Cher all in that moment. I'm going to tell you something. The other day, this Evan and I go to a seafood place here in Malibu, and the woman who works there is really rude. So I tell uh, Evan, I say, listen, you got to know your order. This woman doesn't fuck around. She's kind of like a soup Nazi. 
He goes, Soup Nazi, what's that? Uh, you were alive when that came out. I'm also German. I don't like that phrase. So <laughs> I don't, I hear that. I don't. By the way, he was talking about soup. I, 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 no combatant term. Um, <laughs> he, he didn't like the what word I think soup. he's triggered. Uh oh. <laughs> what I think the of twink is triggered. Yeah. Uh, is it twink is triggered? Yeah. Um, what do I think about Eureka? I thought Eureka actually should have won the challenge. I thought that she looked amazing. I thought that her inner dialogue was spot on. But. I think her inner dialogue was spot on because these are all things she has never shied away from sharing before. I think, and like she knows whether or not she's being sincere or not, she knows how to make good television. She knows a good sob story. And I don't think she had any problem revealing things about herself um, for a challenge like this. So I thought Eureka nailed it. Her first look was, and that's all I have to say about her. All right, moving on to Ms. Cracker and Ms. Crumbs. One of these we learned about Ms. Cracker that she was making her own costume, but then she got very frustrated with the sewing machine, so she decided to stick with her uh, pre-brought, uh, prehistoric look. She also said she likes to produce other people's opinions of her. Uh, she had that conversation with RuPaul, and then uh, and then she goes on to make the inner dialogue. Uh, I also want to jump. We also know that she gets eliminated because there was something very interesting here. And, and, and based on the other conversation, I was going to bring this up. But I thought I'd wait till we got to Ms. Cracker, which is RuPaul's criticism of her was that she was once again trying to produce her own character and determine what everyone thinks of her. And as we know from listening to What's the Tea, RuPaul hates that. What's so funny? Not funny. It's so telling. This episode is so good if you want to study anyone psychologically. Is she, you know, the, she gets she gets dinged and, and booted because she doesn't know how to reveal herself emotionally. Or she's not there yet, to use Taylor's words. And on the stage, when she gets eliminated, she's being choky. It's like no big deal. She's just like, you know, laughing when she when RuPaul says the dumb pun. She says her dumb thing as she leaves. And then she gets to the workroom and she said she's devastated and 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 evan where did we hear at the finale yesterday where someone said that cracker was actually wailing with tears uh, uh, yeah. oh so it was said that when she watched the um perfect example when she watched the episode she said she wailed and cried for an hour and in the interview she said i allow myself to cry once a year and that was it that says a lot about um how she feels about expressing herself. Yeah, but she said, and in in the workroom, yeah, she said she's devastated, but we just saw her second before and she's being jokey, jokey jokester. Yeah. Well, again, because she, she wants to control how people react or people perceive her. And I think she, I mean, I think she was eliminated because this has been an issue for her the entire season. Mm -hmm. And you could just tell, I mean, you could tell from the minute RuPaul started talking about her, but in the deliberation, she had had it with her. Well, it's, it, you can trace it all back to the bossy Rossi show, which we learned, I think who was, it was mayhem was her partner in the bossy Rossi show and they crushed it and they left the, the sage and, uh, uh, what's her name? Cracker was devastated. Meanwhile, Mayhem was so happy with her performance. And um, and I feel ever since the... I feel Cracker was bringing it. And she even I feel she brought it on that episode. But I feel ever since the, that episode, after that episode, Cracker has not been... Her, she, yes. her headspace has not been in the competition. Taylor, what are your thoughts on this? I would agree with that. I would absolutely agree with that. That that seems to be a focus of, I'm supposed to be this comedy queen, and nobody is thinking I'm funny. 
or the people that whose opinions I want to think I'm funny are not are not there. You know what's funny is when you learn comedy, one of the things that the what is when you speak, people have a really good even if they don't know what it is, they have a really good bullshit detector. And mm-hmm. even if they even if it's in their subconscious. And so often when you see these amateur comics, often what they the reason they don't um, do well, and this actually may be true with me, to be honest with you, is, and why, you know, my history with stand-up comedy, and we'll get to that in a second, is they are afraid to expose themselves on stage. And if you think about some, not all of them, because there are people like Ellen DeGeneres, who I feel do a really good job of hiding behind jokes, okay? But if you think some of the most famous comics as well, who a lot of times they're so famous because they just expose themselves so readily. They put themselves and they expose those nerves and people respond to that because they relate to that. And I'll actually use myself here in both examples. I've always said to people, anyone who would listen that the reason, um, you know, I stopped doing stand-up comedy is I learned that there are different, there are different avenues and different mediums for comedy. Okay, stand-up comedy is just one of those mediums. And I've always said that if I worked really, 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 really hard at stand-up, I don't think I'd ever be more than a, well, I'll be generous here, A minus. But really, I'm probably thinking B plus, okay? Mm-hmm. Because there's just something about it. I just, I noticed I didn't sound like me. I didn't, like the way we're talking right now, this is me, okay? I sounded mm-hmm. like, oh, I would get this voice. It was this weird, and I, and, and I was aware of it, but I, there was nothing, like, I couldn't change it. Well, I, I can almost relate to Cracker, you know, where you're frustrated. This isn't me. I can better this. What am I doing? And that's where podcasting really was sort of a godsend, is that podcasting, and you guys both know me, It this person right here is just... And ex- not, I don't even say exaggerated. It's a heightened version of myself, you know. And and you know, recently, uh, you know, I, on a, a recent episode of my other show, Catching Up, where my catching up is about my personal life, I told a story that we're not going to get into here. Where I had friends call me who listened to Catching Up. They said it was a really good episode, but I can't believe you spoke about that on the air, right? And that's one of the things that's important to me to Catching Up is that I expose all my vulnerabilities and whatnot on catching up and i think that's really important for me and i think that's why people connect on catching up and so i Mm -hmm. think to make the connection you have to be who you are and i think and again i'm gonna say i'm no better than cracker because when i was doing stand-up i think i was like cracker i was trying too hard to produce myself and don't get me wrong i got laughs right but i didn't get i i I, I, I get more laughs here, and I can tell I'm funnier here than I ever was as a stand-up. <laughs> Neither one of you saw me do stand-ups. I'm, I'm not saying that I was funny here. I'm just saying funnier than when I was a stand-up. Do you so, have video of you doing stand-up? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tons of them. If I YouTube Joe Batance, will it? I, not not for me. You know what's so funny is... Um, what's your, what was your stage name? Joe Batance. You know what's so funny is... Violet Chachki. The very first time I ever did stand-up, very first time I ever stood up on stage, um, I put it for my friends and family to view on YouTube. I have no idea why. Not like at the time as YouTube was new. Uh, it had a ton of hits. And it had like 15,000 hits when I took it down because I was like, this is horrible. I, I don't want this around, you know? 
So I took it down. I wonder what it would be at now, you know. But at the time, it had a lot of hits. And uh, it was, and this, guys, it was so corny. The jokes were so corny. Like, literally, the first joke was, like, uh, like, um, oh, hey, my name is Joe Batanz. I'm gay and Mexican. So not only can I decorate your house, I can clean it for you, too. Okay, Bianca Del Rio. <laughs> yeah, it was very Bianca Del Rio. But at least I admit I'm not funny. So anyway... <sighs> Oh shit! Who who brags about a rolodex of hate? Who brags? That's like saying like I have all these canned jokes that I just pull out at any moment. Anyway, so the point is that Cracker once she gets once she finds a way that she can be who she really is, then I think she will grow. I, I actually think when we see her on All Stars, she's going to be a different person. Did you see she actually, um, someone asked her like within the last 24 hours if she would do an All-Stars. And she says, there are more important things in the world right now for me to be focusing on than doing All-Stars. So, I mean, she's either really bitter about, or salty, not bitter. Um, she, From what I just read, she does not seem too enthusiastic about doing an All-Stars. The biggest season. mistake she could make would go on All-Stars 4. Oh, no, that that... Well, that's spoiler, but I think that cast is already locked. But she would be very wise to do an All Stars five. Oh, I think All Stars six or seven. You know. Anyway, okay, moving on. Aquaria and Sabatina. Uh, Aquaria, there really wasn't much to her. She um, was going to use uh, some uh, some uh, uh, a costume she already had. She said she has a good eye for fashion. Um, she says that she needs to drink sometimes because she's too shy or nervous. And uh, I think RuPaul said that her no, she should describe herself that she, her saboteur might say that she's tight and high strung. Um, RuPaul made the point that she's probably tongue tied because she's trying to also produce her own image and, pe- and worry about what people think about her. Taylor, what were your thoughts on Aquaria and Sabatina on everything about it, including the looks and all that? Um, I I, I honestly don't. I kind of remember a little bit about the where you're getting tongue-tied because you're thinking too much. Uh, I do remember that, but there wasn't a lot to necessarily... At that point, I was kind of not focusing on it anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved her evil twin look. I don't get why they were all so crazy about her good twin look. The weird purple (gasps) with the cardboard hat. I did not... Get out of here. No, I did not get that look at all. Oh, I loved it. But that being said... the. The evil twin look was amazing. She looked at me everything from the hair to the to the, to the jaw to the leopard to even the weird spine in the back. It kind of that was killer. The other look, I I didn't. I, I, it wasn't my it wasn't my jam. Evan Ayers, it. Uh, what, what, I think it made, I think we know. I I love both of her looks. Um, I'm obsessed with, I guess, uh, was known as, I guess, the her evil look, that mask and the, the spine was made with a 3D printer. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. Um, I, yeah, the first, the, they, they both were absolutely stunning. And I, I think the looks were good enough that that's why we didn't. She, Joe made a good point. She's the only queen that we did not hear commentary or critiques on her actual dialogue. Um, and I'm sure there were, but she her looks were just were amazing this week. What was it that you liked about her good twin look? Help me to the understand what okay. it is about that that made that yeah. so fashion forward and so such an amazing look. I just think it it I, I mean it should have been her best drag look from when they did this before the few seasons, the, you know, the 
one of the early episodes because I think what Aquaria was saying or what her drag is about is androgyny being mildly fat, being fashion forward and being androgynous fashion forward. And I guess just like edgy ish to a degree. And I think there were elements to it that were very boyish. She wasn't padded. I thought the hat was proportionally very, it made her look even tinier, tinier. And I don't know. It just, it, it, there's just something about the way there is. There was nothing out of place for me for it. It just looked right for her. Maybe Joe, you could articulate this better because I know you talk, love talking about the looks. But <laughs> it just it, she. It was it was very much very much Aquaria that I don't know any other queens that could have pulled that look off and done it the way that she did. The way she moves in it, she has this she has this very Sharon Needle style to her, where her animations and the way she wears her clothes and instead of them wearing her, it just it it all looked perfect to me i'll give you that i will get that the, the, she was definitely one of the more animated of that as she was kind of walking around she sort of had that funny little skip to her when she walked from the right to the left of the that her animations and her trying to sell the story of the good twin absolutely i agree with you 110 percent. it's it's just more i i don't know if it was the color combinations where it was on my tv she looked washed out because it was that like sort of on my TV, it was like this light lilac with like a lemon shower cap on top of the blonde hair. And the hat to me just looked like it had accidentally gotten folded in the suitcase on the way to the studio. So yeah, I just, it was just not to me. I, I, it, it was not my it was not my favorite. But Joe, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I wasn't talking. What I was going to say is, you know, to be honest with you, that first look, I love the color. I love the flow. I love that hat. And I'll be honest with you, the evil twin sort of references it. And I think she was making a nod to it. I think way more than Valentina ever did. She looked like Linda Evangelista. I feel that look was so perfect, beautiful, look like Linda Evangelista. Yes. There was something about her, I which I noticed it on Untucked, I guess, because there's more close-ups. But the way she did her eye makeup, where it looked like it was... It wasn't smeared on the side, but it was almost like where she had like crumbs on the like like dark crumbs on the side that had moved away from it. it was it was her eyes in particular. She did a beautiful job on her eyes. So which Linda Evangelista did that was one of the things she was obviously was known for. So I just uh, that the, the the evil twin look was a amazing look. Was it Miss Crumbs? Is that why she didn't do well? Because Aquarius stole it from her. Asia and North Korea. Uh, Taylor, what were your thoughts on Asia? Oh, let me see what I have here. That. Uh, Asia and North Korea. She's hello. Are you guys still there? I'm there. I'm okay. here. Uh, she was making her own outfits. Uh, also, we know that she she takes comfort in her in her own misery, and she likes being in that place. And Taylor, you might have a lot to say about that. And uh, she said she felt the most raw raw in the ball look. That would be the last ball on earth. And she blamed everyone else for her problems when she realized that was what she was doing. She sort of felt a little embarrassed about that. But um, Taylor, what were your thoughts on, on Asia, on her looks, on what she said, on her inner dialogue, all that? Okay, as far as, as, far as the rage and being comfortable being in that rage and being in that anger... That's common that I think people would like to admit. There is something about, I I say it with my clients where I say you're comfortably uncomfortable, where it's you know that if you stay angry, you don't want to be angry, but you also know how scary it is to feel, allow yourself to. 
So that that resonated with me when she said that as far as things that I've heard other clients and, and times in my life that I've been the same way, where it's just easier to feel one emotion, even though it's not it's not the healthiest place to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that regards, I, I, I got that when she said that uh, the I liked I really liked her good twin look. It was described as kind of creamsicle esque with the orange and the white, mm-hmm. which is a color combination we don't necessarily see very much. So, and I, uh, with creamsicle, I love creamsicles. They remind me of being a kid. So she was supposed to be this very happy, um, happy person with the balloons and the kind of the, 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 the wavy hair. And, and she kind of had like, you know, that, like the 1930s child actor, the boop, boop, be doop kind of thing going on. So in that regards, I liked, I really liked that her evil look. I almost want to say I like her evil look. Uh her evil look and Aquaria are neck and neck for my favorite look of the night. She just looked like a badass. And the fact that she came out with no wig, but the crazy kind of clown makeup around the eyes and the bright, the fact that she added the green uh, contact lenses that really kind of made them pop. It was just everything about that was she looked like an, an evil representation of a persona, especially when you put it next to the creamsicle look that she had the other way. Evan Ayers? Yeah, I would totally agree. Um, the only thing I also would have to add was that I really enjoyed that the, both of her looks gave us an opportunity to kind of see Michelle Visage be wrong or be proven wrong. And this is kind of where I mentioned not loving the way they edited this. You could clearly tell that Michelle was critiquing her for having the balloons. And then when you yeah, when you put the deflated balloons of her of North Korea, like it was just such a brilliant small touch to the whole look. Mm-hmm. Um and Michelle Visage having to admit that she was wrong was, I'm sure, a very hard moment for her. But I'm glad they kept that in. Um, I thought Asia looked amazing, amazing, amazing as North Korea. Um, and I hope that she has a good lawyer in case someone from North Korea doesn't like that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, Asia, I, I, I really liked Yeah, Both looks were great. I love the idea with the balloons and the deflated balloons. And her inner dialogue was, again, fantastic, very insightful. We learned a lot about Asia and how she saw herself. And I think she, it, 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 she, I think she, I think she deserved the win, to be honest with you. I don't know why Aquaria got that win. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Because Aquaria, I would agree with that. I think, I think you, you could definitely, you, you could have made an argument for, eureka or asia but just from a fashion the evil look alone i think would have put asia over the top as far as that she probably should have been the winner but instead aquaria was the winner back on the main go ahead no i was gonna say but i think it was the the evil twin look for aquaria that alone given what we talked about as far as the critiques I think is what when they, when you knew almost when she started comparing her to Violet and to Raja yeah. and to, that 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 was that was a dead done deal because there was no way they were not going to um, uh, reward a look like that by not being the winner for the week. Back on the main stage, Aquaria was named the winner of the challenge while Cameron and Ms. Cracker were placed in the bottom two. After a lip sync battle for their lives to the song Nasty Girl by Vanity Six, Cameron Michaels was told, Shantae, you stay, while Ms. Cracker was asked to sashay away. Taylor, any final thoughts on the episode? Um, as far as the lip sync goes, I, I did know who was going home this week before. I thought Cracker's was much more entertaining than Cameron's. Yeah, you can make lip-sync. that argument. Mm-hmm. 
I also, we got an email from a listener who said that part of the reason why if you watch it on 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 a big TV, you can see that Cracker doesn't know the words, which oh, really? I watched the lip sync after we got that email and it looks like she knows all the words. Where they said at one point she was just saying watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. I I didn't get that at all. I, it looked like she was saying everything correctly. And on Untuck, but, on Untuck, that comes up and she says she knows the words. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also... So in a- Go ahead, Evan. And untucked, she also she said she knows the words, but Cameron is the one totally ignoring Lena Dunham and actually really knew the words. So, well, maybe. Cameron Cameron Michaels is all of us. We all would like to ignore Lena Dunham. Yeah, that, that's that the best gonna, thing. That was be my final thought for the episode. I'm just gonna say it right now. This Lena Dunham is so annoying. She's horrible. She drank their damn drink. She's she's gross. She's she, she's just a gross human being. And I, 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 when I saw she was going to be a judge this season, I actually, oh, you know, she, she was not as annoying as she could have been because she wasn't quite doing the vocal fry that she normally does where she talks like this and she kind of talks to her nose and everything. No, she wasn't quite that bad. She seemed genuinely excited to be around them. And I appreciated that. But as a celebrity, she's somebody that I usually make a face when I see her. Yeah, me can too. we can we just discuss that? I'm I'm going to be slightly negative. The guest judges this season have been very strange. Yes, it's been a very and it's been a very interesting season of like huge names that end up flopping. Like Shania Twain was incredibly awkward. Lena Dunham was an, was awful to have on the show. They had that hot Miles Heiser who didn't do anything, and then you had these random like I'm trying to think who was like a really memorable. A good guest judge. I can't think of anyone that really like brought a lot to the table. And I'm sure someone will correct me here. But there were two judges that we all loved a lot. I can't remember who they were. Uh, people like the Broad City ones, didn't they? Oh, they yeah. They see that that they were good. They got into it. And then uh, there was somebody else that I was like, oh, they 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 should be like permanent judges. Like, you have to you have to go through all the judges. But I remember there were two yeah. judges. I was like, oh, they should actually be real. Oh, wasn't it was Jeffrey Boyer Chapman on this season? No, he did no, all. That was the Bitchler. No, that, I don't remember who it was. Maybe, maybe it was all. We're fucking running. It all ran at the same time. To Hold me. on, Hold, Here, please. Uh, okay, look at who the guest. There was some, some guest judges that were like, "Oh, I wish they were like. They should bring them up permanently to be like guest judges. They were fantastic." Yeah. Uh, but uh, this Lena Dunham, what? And then she goes in the workroom and she starts talking to them. I don't give a shit about her. And I'm, I was so happy when this cracker. What am I cracking? When the camera was just ignoring her. Who needs? Who wants to waste their time talking to this? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the judges, and I mean, you had Christina Aguilera at the very beginning of the season, but, whatever. Okay, but I mean, you know, Courtney Love she was, was good. Had no idea she was even there. <laughs> um, Tisha Campbell Martin seemed to be really exciting, excited to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking at Nico Tortorella. Oh, that one. Well. Yeah. Um, I kind of remember appreciating Kumal Nanjani. Nanjani. She, yeah, Kumal Nanjani and his wife, yeah. Emily Gordon, they were uh, sort of controversial. Some people liked them, some people didn't like them. Who are the Snatch Game ones? Um, shoot. Was that Audra McDonald and Kate Upton? Oh, Audra McDonald was great. Okay. But then oh, you have somebody like Kate Billy Upton. Eichner. Kate Upton was really good. Remember, Kate yeah. Upton actually took notes and gave like really constructive criticism? She was <laughs> really, really, really good. But I mean, you know, Billy Eichner was somebody that I was expecting to be funnier than he was. Mm-hmm. Well, so's the world. 
Well, I'm so glad. I'm so just so sad we didn't get Neil Patrick Harrison and his husband back this oh, year. Oh God, they're the worst. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ, that husband and that Neil. Ugh, well, I don't mind Neil Patrick Harrison so much, no. but you you can tell that he was forced to be there. Yeah, the husband was like, I really like the hus- the husband's Lucy. The husband's like, Neil, I want to go on the Revolve Dragon. You won't let me. You know the husband got some sort of fucking hijinks where he worked at a condom store to raise the money to uh, go to Hollywood to uh, uh, be on RuPaul's Drag Race. And there were some sort of shenanigans. They had to go on a game show. And uh, David Burke and the neighbor were on the game show pretending not to be. It was a whole thing. You know it was a whole fucking episode. (laughs) That's how I got on this show. Well, that concludes this week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Be sure to join us this week and every week as we discuss, dissect, and deconstruct each brand new episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 10. So, for Taylor the Latte Boy, Evan Ayers, and myself, sashay away until next week. Want to share your thoughts about Drag Race? Email us at dragracerecap at gmail.com. If you want to help the show, leave us a review on iTunes. The more positive reviews we get, the higher we move up in the rankings, and that helps the show find a bigger audience. If you want to help the show even more, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dragracerecap. For as little as $1 a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content not available on the main podcast feed. For up-to-the-minute news about the show, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dragracerecap and follow us on Twitter at dragracerecap. To find all of our old episodes, visit us at our website at dragracerecap.com. Taylor has his own podcast. It's called Pod Is My Copilot, and you can find it at podismycopilot.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow Taylor on Instagram and Twitter at PIMC Taylor. Want to hear me talk about Drag Race even more? Well, then listen to me on One on One with Larry Flick every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, exclusively on Entertainment Weekly Radio Channel 105 on Sirius XM Radio. You can also find me on my other podcast, Catching Up with Mike and Joe, available at catchinguppodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Joe Batance. That's J O E. B-E-T-A-N-C-E.